Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. This is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at at HokieSmash underscore ASD. And joining me, as always, is Jeff. And you can follow him on Twitter at at TalkinACC Sports. And I see our guest has joined us. I'm thrilled to have him here. We'll announce him shortly. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. And you can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. This is our 401st episode of the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. And joining us tonight is Daniel Poltz. And his Twitter handle is at YoungVisionary23. That's at Y-U-N-G-V-I-S-I-O-N-A-R-Y 23. His Instagram is Daniel Poltz. That's at D-A-N-I-E-L-P-U-L-T-Z. Make sure you follow him on both social media platforms. He is the co-host of Tales from the Transfer Portal podcast. He's a great member of Hokie Nation Twitter. He's a pop culture enthusiast. He's got 12 years of experience in artist management, creative marketing management, just ever, lots of experience out there. Daniel. Man, welcome. It's been a long time. We are happy for you to join us. The floor is yours. You can take yourself off mute, buddy. Tell us about yourself, my friend. The floor is yours. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Can you hear me all right? We can hear you, man. Man, it's been a long time. We've been following each other on, on social media for a long time, so I'm thrilled to finally be able to do this. But, yeah, uh, just started Tales from the Transfer Portal podcast. A couple of weeks ago with uh, my co-host, uh, the infamous Joe Rogers, who you've had on. Um, love tech football, love sports in general. I'm excited to talk some ACC with you guys tonight since that is where our beloved team resides and all the other craziness that goes on with ACC basketball as they have had I would say a couple down years overall, but I would still say they're the king of college basketball. I don't think the SEC is allowed to take that crown just yet, but yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, we are happy to have you on. So let's go through our questions here, man. Who do you think was the most impressive ACC men's basketball team of this past week? The floor is The past week? Oh, man. Um... I almost want to give it to Virginia Tech despite the loss to North Carolina just because they were so hot previously. Um, I guess you could say Duke because they just keep winning. But uh, Tech was slumping bad, and then they uh, just, like, turned it on late or past five or six games. I mean, obviously, despite a couple of days ago. But, yeah, I would, have to, I would have to give it to Virginia Tech. I think it's a fair statement, and I, I mean, and Jeff, I think you would probably agree with this. It's been a while; it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a podcast, and ever since Virginia Tech 
defeated uh, Florida State. They went off and ran, you know, ran off, you know, ran out, really ran off six ACC wins in a row. And I think a lot of people had left Virginia Tech for kind of, kind of on the side of the road there. And they kind of turned out, they kind of turned out pretty well. Mike Young's done a pretty good job in this the second half of the season. I thought Dan brought up a good point there about, I mean, obviously Duke is Duke. They're winning, they're winning some games. They're, they ha- they're the only one that really has no mystery as to whether they're going to get into the NCAA tournament or not. And I think what Dan brought up was a really, really good point, but Virginia tech has played pretty well for the most part over the last seven games, seven games. And, you know, they, they're, they're, probably going to put themselves in position I think for for an NIT bid unless they make a deep run in the NC, in the in the ACC tournament but I think it, it was certainly fair to for, certainly fair to shout out Virginia Tech go ahead Jeff I want yeah I mean you look up and down the, the schedule this past week and, and and nobody could really get on a roll um, during the week so you know I think Virginia Tech was a, was a fair response because uh, going in uh, up to the game on Saturday that they lost to North Carolina, they had been the ACC's hottest team. Um, when I look at it, you know, I, I like the Duke mentioned definitely because they, they just keep taking care of business. And, you know, they had a tough game with Wake Forest, but won that game, um, held, held off Wake Forest at the end of that one. Then, you know, they get an undermanned Florida State team and predictably took care of that. Um, all of the other top teams in the ACC, you know, took took a loss earlier in that week or, or at some point during the week. So, that, you know, Notre Dame, they, they lost um, uh, they lost a re- recently uh, Virginia. You know, they got the win over the over Miami, but they had lost to Virginia Tech uh, earlier in the week. Wake Forest took a couple losses. Miami, you know, loses to Virginia, uh, loses to Virginia yesterday. So, you know, no one could really, really get on a, on a roll. So I think Virginia Tech was is still as good as, as um, anyone to, to, to mention, you know, Duke with their winning streak. But man, that, that I have to I have to say, guys, that was a missed opportunity for Virginia Tech. You get North Carolina at home. They're coming off a miserable performance against Pitt. And if you guys could, if you could have got that one, man, those, that, that NCAA chances would would really, I would have had them at over 50% if you'd have been able to take care of North Carolina. Just, just so close. Um, you know, still an opportunity is not lost. I mean, they're not they're not out of the picture, but man, that, that was one I know you guys wish you could have back. You know, I did say though, I did say to 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 Lauren, right, our friend, our friend in North Lauren Brownlow, our friend in North Carolina. I did say that I didn't feel confident about it because every time Virginia Tech plays North Carolina, they seem to play volleyball on the backboards against Virginia Tech, right? They just North Carolina is really good at rebounding. They're always good at second shots, except for this game. Virginia Tech played pretty well on the boards. They kind of neutralized Baycott most of, most of the game, except save one half. And the guards just ate Virginia Tech alive. They shot the game, the game there, they shot the game of their life. It is fair to say, though, I mean, I we were kind of look, I was kind of looking at the standings before 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 Dan came on, before you came on, Jeff. And and it's kind of funny that the, you know, the teams that were really picked toward the bottom of the ACC at the beginning of the season might actually be in best position 
to get the two-day bye in the ACC tournament. And I'm actually being dead serious about that with Notre Dame, Miami, and Wake Forest. Yeah, absolutely. And and I might have misspoke earlier when I thought uh, Wake Forest had lost a couple times. They beat Notre Dame, uh, you know, th- this weekend to, to go one and one on the weekend. Notre Dame couldn't get on a roll. So, yeah, you're right. In that game against uh, North Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech had a lot of trouble with, with the North Carolina guards. Uh, we talked about it on Twitter during the game. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Virginia Tech went to um, – Aluma as much as yes. they should have because every time he seemed to yes. touch the ball uh it, the result looked like it, it worked out for him i mean he's either hitting a three or or picking up a foul um you know on a north carolina defender right. or or scoring and you know that the offense i mean if there was one mistake north uh, virginia tech made in that game i mean that offense has to run through uh Kevin aluma yes every time in the half court and i think every if virginia time. tech had had done that i think because i think they'd have been able to make finish off the comeback because north carolina it wasn't like they exactly played very well in the second half of that game i mean for about 10 or 12 minutes north carolina couldn't couldn't score and and virginia tech you know they chipped away got it down to you know four or five points but if if they'd have just stuck with a, a, a luma i think they could have completed the comeback definitely no i'm with you i'm with you that's my that's that's 100% my take. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought, uh, Aline had taken far too many shots in that game. And, you know, I will leave it at that. All right. Our next, our next topic here, Dan, uh, who is your, uh, most disappointing ACC team of the week? The floor is yours, Dan. Most disappointing team to me, despite the win on Saturday is North Carolina. And I say this as a North Carolina basketball fan, I would actually say they've been the most disappointing ACC team since like 2018. Like it's been a, a such a level of mediocrity that it really burns me up. Um, it just you used to, I mean, with the level of talent that's supposed to come in there every year, they should not be losing to teams like Pitt. And, and, and it was just weird to see them, like only score like 50 some points and it, like with especially with the way that I think Tech was playing like I'm used to seeing North Carolina teams running the floor and when they get a team that's struggling to score they're putting up like 80 to 90 on them and uh they just they've had some really bad like baffling losses this year they just can't seem to get it together the guard play as far as scoring is inconsistent um Baycott hasn't really been exactly what I thought he would be. I mean, he's putting up good numbers, but if you're watching, the dominance doesn't seem to be there from a typical North Carolina big. Brady Manick has been a good addition. Brady Bird, the caveman, he's been he's been stroking. Um, but it's just been – you just never know, like, which North Carolina team you're going to get each night. It's very polar – like, it's very bipolar, and – it's just crazy to see how like how far they've fallen since their last national title in 2017, I guess when they beat Gonzaga, I believe. But, yeah, I would definitely have to say that North Carolina is probably my most disappointing ACC team of the week and of the last five years. 
That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty strong take. That's a pretty strong strong take. Jeff, you got anything for us here? No, because I I totally agree on North North Carolina. I mean, credit them for for not ha- falling apart and and losing at Blacksburg because if they'd have gone and got swept over the course of the week with a pit loss and a Virginia Tech loss, I mean, their NCAA chances would be would be finished. But still, you know, l- losing losing to Pitt at home at that kind of performance, and and you know, we've seen. Pitt throughout this year. I mean, Saturday night, they lost to Georgia Tech on their home floor, but they went into Chapel Hill and control that game from start to finish. And that is just not a that, that is just not the kind of performance you expect from North Carolina playing for with so much on the line, you know, trying to get into the NCAA tournament. You know, they, their resume is still not great. They're lacking, uh, well, until the Virginia Tech win, they didn't have a, a Q1 win on their resume. And and then they were they were completely flat, no energy against Pitt. And, you know, that's that's the kind of, that that's the lowest uh, net rated team in the ACC. One or, if not the lowest, the second lowest. And that's a big black mark on, on, on their resume. Um, they, they're going to probably have to win a couple games just to make to make up for that. So they're not dead. North Carolina's not dead. Um, but when you when you start putting the pecking order of how you would rank the teams and which ones you would put in the NCAA tournament, I mean, you've got to move even with the loss. I still had Virginia. I would still have Virginia Tech ahead of North Carolina, and I would definitely have Virginia ahead of North Carolina. So you kind of like lost ground in the pecking order if you're. North Carolina. Now, I don't think any any of the three would be in the tournament today, but uh, that pit loss was was just absolutely unacceptable for North Carolina. And and the their inconsistent play. I mean, one game they'll look like a Sweet Sixteen Sweet Sixteen team, and then the next they look like a first round NIT team. Uh, Hubert Davis has got to find some consistency before the end of the season because that team's more talented than what what they're showing. On a cons- on a consistent level, they they should not be having those kind of losses. So I, I think North Carolina was was absolutely a great choice as the most disappointing ACC team of the week, even in spite of winning against Blackbird. Because losing to Pitt at home, unacceptable. Okay. Yeah, I I think that uh, yeah, Hu- Hubert's definitely got to Hubie's got to get it together with the team, and uh, especially next year they got some kids coming in. I mean they always do, but like. You really, I mean, you can't. It's just unacceptable. Like there were a lot of coaches that probably like wanted that job, and they went with Hubert because they had full confidence in him. And I also think that he's capable. But you, you have, you still have Virginia Tech and UVA over, over Carolina. With, I mean, Carolina's what got like eight, eight, nine losses, and they're they're Carolina, they're a brand. So I feel like they're definitely a tournament team right now. Um. Fair statement. Now, how about this? How about this? I, I want to say this, Jeff. Is it fair for me to say that Clemson underperformed this week by losing to a team that has an acting head coach and losing to a team that's down three injured players? Do I should I expect better? Yeah, I, I think I know. I mean, Clemson is you know they're they're down a, a player to uh, Hunter Hunter Tyson is is a starter who's out, and they're they're not deep enough to with withstand a player like that being out um uh you know collins was missed a game uh, last week for for the foul in in the duke 
game. Um, but, you know, calling Clemson out is definitely fair. That That's a team that's limping to the, to the finish line. Um, you know, they go to Louisville. They were in that game, you know, a reeling Louisville team with, like you said, an interim head coach. And, um, you know, they're, they're struggling. There's no question about it. That's, that's a struggling basketball team right now. Fair enough, friend. Fair enough. Okay. Dan, we got another good question for you. And Jeff is up here, man. The floor is yours for. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Um, Dan, which ACC game are you looking forward to the most this upcoming week? Uh, the schedule's kind of this week's not too desirable. I would say, I guess by default, it would probably be UVA Duke, just because it's probably the best matchup of the week. And um, those two usually, I don't know, Tony Tony Bennett usually plays Duke fairly well, so I think that is probably the best, most interesting game coming up this week. Uh, so that would have to be my answer. Yeah, and and I agree with you on that. I mean. Uh, you know, Duke already a lock for the tournament. They're playing for seeding. Um, they're pretty much locked in as a as a two seed uh, nationally at the moment, but still in play for a one. So, um, you know, they they need to probably win out to have any shot at a number one seed. But Virginia, uh, like you said, they Tony Bennett gives Duke fits. They won down in Cameron. They just won. Um, against Miami. They have a win over Providence. So they've got three Q1 wins um, right there off the top of my head. And if they could steal a victory over Duke at home, that is going to look outstanding on their resume to have two wins over Duke plus uh, uh, that win over Providence. I mean, that would be three wins over top 15 teams. And that, you know, that's definitely gives them a real shot to get into the tournament. I agree. That's probably, uh, the game of the week in the ACC. Uh, another game I'm kind of interested in, and we're talking about your your Tar Heels here a little bit, is um, you know North Carolina going to NC State. Um, that's a game that the Tar Heels absolutely cannot afford to lose. Uh, I think NC State is a better team than what their record is. I mean, this was a team that l- less than a week ago was in last place in the ACC. But when when they can shoot the ball a little bit, they can put up some some points. I mean, I, I can't get out of my head that they had Purdue beat earlier in the year until like a 60-second collapse at the end of that that game. I, I think that's a dangerous game for the Tar Heels. Uh, any thoughts on that one? It's definitely a trap game. And uh, one thing I've learned over watching North Carolina basketball – over the last year or so is that they love to lose them. So um, I'm hoping that um, they can continue their dominance over North Carolina State. Um, I haven't really seen North Carolina State give Carolina too many fits, dating all the way back to the Julius Hodge days. Uh, But, yeah, Carolina, they need to uh, keep their act together. They got to keep their eye on the prize, so to speak, and they can't go in – into a tobacco road game and take a loss. That's for certain. So they're going to need, you know, Baycott to, to play better offensively. He did end up with like 15 boards against against uh, Virginia Tech. But we're going to need points from him. We're going to need consistent shooting 
from our guards, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love. I'm going to need to see more of that. Leaky Black, not really a score, but he's scrappy and he does a lot of things that you don't really see on the stat sheet. Um, he's going to need him, need him to play well, play focused. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, Matthew, you got you got a thought here on the, on the ACC game you're looking forward to? Actually, yeah, Jeff. I mean, there's a big game with bubble implications next next Saturday, and that's Virginia Tech going to Miami. I mean, and that was a very good game the first time. And, in fact, the last three contests between Virginia Tech and Miami have been very close. I mean, Miami won on a buzzer board basket basket here this last last week a shot at the last a couple weeks ago i should say a, a shot on the buzzer a shot uh at the buzzer and that's one where tech played really well the entire game and played really good defense again against miami miami just made some really ridiculous shots in the game before that miami wanted a double overtime last year so i mean this is a game i think that you'll see the Hokies make some adjustments and they may, may actually find a way to come out of coral gables with the win so that that is one game I have my my eye on. And you never – I mean, look, this isn't the Syracuse trap trap zone, you know, their you know, matchup zone of the past. But I, I do have a look at that Duke-Syracuse game out of the corner of my eye. I mean, it's something I – especially if their center comes back from, from injury, I, I will I will have a look at that. I will have a look at that because they can be a little disrupt. They, it's not as disruptive as it has been in the past, that matchup zone. But if that center comes back, it may be a little more disruptive than it was, say, against Virginia Tech, you know, in Blacksburg. So, But those are two games I have my eye on. And, and the former, I mean, Virginia Tech and Miami, I think, is really one that is going to have some major bubble implications. Yeah, yeah, good, good call. I mean, and, and Syracuse has had some outstanding environments when Dukes come in there. So um, yeah, that could be a lead into the next question I have for you, Dan. Um, and we talked about one upset special already with North Carolina and NC State. But, you know, anything else there out there, which a, another ACC team that could be on upset alert next week if they're caught past looking an opponent. And I think that Duke going to Syracuse is, is what Matt, Matthew said is definitely one that could be a possibility. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the car Carrier Dome, that's right, Carrier Dome, up there in uh, yep. Syracuse, you know. Uh, Jim Beheim hasn't really had as much success in recent years, and, you know, he's got his, his son Buddy up there now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the way – the way the ACC has been this year, there's not really any rhyme or reason to the madness. So, I mean, that you could easily see, I guess, Duke look past a team like Syracuse and end up uh, going on that long ride home to Cameron with a nice, tasty L. Um, but, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. That would probably be another upset. And uh, I guess, it, I mean, UVA, if they could – they beat Duke. That's also an upset. So one of the two could happen. I don't think both, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I think, I think you're definitely right. Another game I, I, I think for a team to, to, you know, they could be on, on upset alert if they're caught looking ahead. And, you know, we talked about them already, how Clemson's been struggling, but, it, you know, they hadn't been, 
exactly getting blown out in, in their games. Um, you know, they just, they've struggled closing games out and, you know, going into little John for wake forest who, you know, despite the really strong record of wake forest. And I, and we've talked about it already a little on the podcast. I mean, and every one of these teams save Duke is still on, on the bubble. I mean, they can play their way out even. And if wake forest goes into little John and takes, takes a loss there, I mean, suddenly it gets a little bit dicey for wake forest um, so I think that's that's a game that the the Demon Deacons have to keep an eye on and, and be ready to play because Clemson typically uh, can be kind of feisty there at home, even even in a down year. You think uh, Florida State could go into JPJ and take out the Who's? I, I, I mean, I think it can it can happen. Um, you know, un- really undermanned Florida State, you know, get pushed Duke for a while in, in Cameron, but there's they have so many injuries right now. Um, Florida State does uh, that it, it would it would take it would take quite an effort, I think, to come out of there with a win. Um, but, you know, this isn't a vintage Virginia team. They're, they have been playing better over the last two or three weeks, but they're, they're still prone to going into some you know, some scoring, scoring funks. So it, it wouldn't absolutely floor me. Um, but I'd be, I would be a little bit surprised. I would be surprised, but I mean, that's, that's Virginia is not talented enough to look overlook anyone in the ACC. That's for sure. And, you know, I think Leonard Hamilton, you know, there's still talent there, but they, they've got a lot of injuries to deal with. All right, Matthew. Uh, oh, no, I still got this question. All right, Dan, we're going to – oh, I'm sorry, Matthew. You've got something else you want to add on the uh, upset. Well, I, I, uh, I, the do, week. I do think my Miami will be favored when Virginia Tech goes down to Coral Gables. And so that is technically an upset. That is technically an upset. I think Miami will be favored by five or six points by Vegas. And I think they're actually going to do exactly what you said, Jeff, on offense. I think that there will be a mandatory two or three touch of the basketball by Kiva Kiva Luma. And I think that's going to slow down the game a bit. I think that's going to slow down the game a bit. And I think there's a potential for a win on the road by the Hokies. But that's my thought. That's my thought. That's my thought there on on upsets for for us. All right, all right. That's the thing I think with this year's ACC, it, there hadn't been a lot of elite matchups, but there are a ton of games with NCAA implications, and that is one. Um, all right, Dan, let, let's talk about football here for a minute. What, what is your take on some of the moves that we saw in the off seasons, the hires of the ACC football coaches in the in the off season? I think the ACC leveled up. Uh, Obviously, Cristobal was a powerhouse hire from Miami. Um, the U might actually be back this time. Uh, and then what? They just hired Charlie Strong as a as an assistant coach. Cristobal is putting together an absolute uh, staff right now. <laughs> yes, and then what? Mike Elko went to Duke, right? From A and M. Yeah, that that's a that's a really solid. I mean, it'll be almost near impossible to get stuff shaking at Duke for football, but 
uh, I think that was probably the best hire they could have ever hoped for, really, outside of, like, Tony Elliott. Um, I think Tony Elliott was a good hire for the Who's, especially, you know, coming in as late as Bronco decided to retire. Um, and Coach Brent Pry for Virginia Tech, my guy. Uh I def I mean anybody with the brain knows he wasn't the first choice, but he was definitely the right choice in my opinion. Um understood the culture from back in the uh the the prime beamer years when he was a GA there. Uh he came in, he realized all the shortcomings and wrongdoings of the last staff, said that's not gonna fly now. We're gonna rebuild this whole thing from the ground up and we're gonna do it the right way. And they have so far done that by canvassing every single Virginia high school, uh, you know, getting a concentrated footprint versus just, you know, throwing throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks recruiting-wise. Um, there's an actual plan now. Uh, Tech has beefed up their money to be second in the ACC behind Clemson. We got a bigger staff now. Uh, they hired some really, really talented women to uh, help shore up the support staff. Um, I'm really excited. I think that the ACC is usually looked at outside of Clemson as like a joke in football. And I think that um, Miami and Virginia Tech, that rivalry needs to come back because that, that used to be amazing. And I am excited about ACC football in 2022 moving forward, especially – when it comes to the Hokies. All right. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast. Dan, open microphone time. What you got for us, buddy? The oh, man. Give me an open mic. That's dangerous. <laughs> no, um... I would just say I'm going to take this opportunity. We talk a lot of sports on the timeline, podcasts. There's a lot covered. We, I would love to see more women's sports covered by podcasts. That's what we're trying to do at Tales from the Transfer Portal. We don't we just want to be your typical, you know, run-of-the-mill pod. We really want to champion women's sports because there's a lot of great uh, women athletes out there doing big things, women's coaches, um, especially uh, softball season here, women's basketball, Virginia Tech turning it up, uh, Louisville turning it up. Um, there's a lot, a lot of good things going on in women's sports right now, and I just want to take my time on your podcast to highlight them, salute to them, shout out to them, and I look forward to uh, – seeing how the seasons play out this spring. Darn good take, man. Darn good take. And we appreciate that. That's probably going to be a, I mean, at least with ACC women's basketball, that's pro that that's a much different story in terms of the quality, because you're probably going to see two ACC teams and at least, at least uh, Louisville and probably NC state that have chances for uh, a, what uh, for one seeds, and you might even see Virginia Tech with an opportunity to get a top four seed, which means that they would be able to host a regional in Blacksburg or at least a couple of games. So I, I think you bring up some very good points and some well-deserved shout-outs there. So 
shout out to you. One other question for you, Dan. I'll use this. I'll use this here too. Anything that you want to promote on your podcast that you got coming up soon? Uh, I'm hoping to uh, get some guests coming in. I want to get uh, I potentially. I talked to Rock Carmichael uh, prematurely about it. He was interested. Uh, Women's History Month is in March. I really want to get Jalen Boleyn on the pod. Uh, I believe she's interested, but we just got to lock that in. I think that would – she's a powerhouse. You know, her dad, her mom, uh, she, was, she was born for this. So she just joined the tech staff. I am excited about it. Um, yeah, man, I'm just, just hoping to uh, go forward every week, you know, do something different, uh, try to get some people on that maybe – don't typically get heard or talked to on a podcast. So, yeah, man, uh, we're just trying to take it a week at a time and do big things, be creative, be fun, and be entertaining. Outstanding, friend. Outstanding. Jeff? Yeah, that, that was a great open mic, Dan. And and in honor of, uh, you know, recognizing some of the women's sports, uh, you know, women's softball today, I tell you, this – this is a an emerging sport across the national scene and i tweeted it out that you know um espn seems like they're starting to give better coverage to college softball and college baseball this year and then these are two sports that in the summertime their postseasons has outstanding ratings um and then just tonight kind of in honor of what what you're saying florida state their women's softball team undefeated, still number six, uh, number six team in the country, just knocked off UCLA in, in a top six matchup. Uh, that could be the, you know, a top three team in college softball. Clemson in their first ever, their softball team for the first time in their young history, knocked off a top five um, team when they beat uh, Washington today. So, you know, you, Matthew talked about the the college basketball, women's college basketball that's so good in the ACC. Uh, but the women's softball, I mean, it's it's really good in the ACC. I know Virginia Tech has a has a strong program. Um, Duke is very good. Clemson might have the um, the best female player in the country, one of the best. Um, in in, in um, is Cagle? I think it might be Valerie Cagle. I hope I didn't get the first name. Uh, wrong uh incorrect but i i know the last name is uh, is kegel so let me look that up i gotta get that correct yes valerie kegel one of the best uh, softball players in in the country um and then florida state you know they won national championship not too long ago so you know that was that was great mention by dan to, to recognize some really good women's sports going on in the acc but one other thing i want to talk about um i don't know if this is exactly going to be a rant but Wow, this this was really ugly today. I don't know if you all saw at the end of the Michigan Wisconsin basketball game, Jawan Howard, the coach of the Michigan Wolverines, basically just losing his temper at the end of that game during the handshake. And and I, in, in fairness, I think that the, that the Wisconsin coaches um, did instigate part of part of this there was there was hand grabbing going on in there as well there was some controversy about a timeout being called but i mean at the end of the day um you know howard was the one who threw a punch out there and you know i'm not saying he should be fired but if he coaches another game the rest of this season 
they're not doing something right in the Big Ten. That was absolutely over the top what he did. And it's not the first time that he's been in a post-game controversy um, like this. Uh, uh, in last year when he got into it with the former Maryland code, Mark Turgeron, um, you know, one time you can kind of, you know, say, all right, you know, his emotions got the better of him. Happens a second time in less than a, a year and or just barely a year. And it's starting to look like a trend with Howard and they're going to get him, they got to get him under, um, you know, a talking to from the, from the Michigan staff and in his post game, uh, interview, uh, he did not apologize. Uh, he felt justified in what he did. And, you know, that's, that's something it was an ugly look for Michigan and, and for, for Michigan basketball and Wisconsin. Don't get me wrong. They're not, they're not guilt free either, but just, just very ugly moment at the end of that basketball game. There's going to be absolute, definitely suspensions coming out of that one. I think that he should still be allowed to coach because Grayson Allen used to kick people and stuff like that, and he never really got in too much trouble. So I think that the same, you know, same thing. He might, he might get fined or like maybe a game or two, but I mean, yeah, I don't know if he should be kicked out for the rest of the year or fired, but I mean, he. he he might have just been triggered by a late late game timeout controversy dating back to 1993. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that but, a couple of, on uh, <laughs> of other mentions like that too. That that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, that, that might be a trigger point for him. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So you know what? Here's my take, guys. Uh, I, I know you guys have seen this, but I. I'm I'm gonna have I have a little Olympic talk here um, because this was bad all around by multiple parties. But I, I know you know the story of Camila, uh, Camila Valiva, right? The 15 year old Russian uh, skating star who was allowed to compete in the Olympics despite despite pa- uh, despite uh, testing positive for a prohibitive drug source, right? And that that was just bad news all around because it it penalized you know it penalized her right because she had to actually go up and talk about talk about this and she's she's like 15 years old right so that's the first thing that she had to talk about she had to talk about it. and it's never good to put a 15 year old in this position the second thing is that okay so if she wins then they're not having the medal ceremony. And I thought that that was also a bad look. They should have just, they should have just prohibited her from participating and not penalized any of the other athletes. Right. And the third thing is, and I'm going to say, be a lightning rod here, Dan and Jeff, I'm going to be a lightning rod. If this had happened to Simone Biles, American gymnast, they would have disqualified her. She would have been treated differently. You know, and whether anybody disagrees with that or not, I know it to be true, you know. And so that was a bad situation all around. And the International Olympic Committee is a corrupt organization. And that's all I have to say about that. Would you like to would you like the floor, Jeff? And then we can go to you, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the uh, skating announcers, I think it was Tara Lipinski that said it the adults failed her, you know, that, that's pretty much the bottom line when it, when it comes um, in large part, I think to that situ- situation, um, the adults failed her. I think when she, when Lipinski said that, that was a hundred percent correct. Just, just, just as kind of a dark moment and definitely marred 
the the Winter Olympics, the adults definitely failed her. Yeah, hi. No, I one hundred percent agree with you that there's a different standard for uh, Olympic athletes like Simone Biles versus uh, the uh, you know Russian gymnasts and ice figure skaters. And I always feel like you know Russia's doing something crazy when it comes to like Olympic stuff. Like, I feel like they're always in trouble. Like what was it a couple years ago they weren't even allowed to compete? Or they were going to ban the whole country, and then they were like, oh, no, that's not fair. So they, like, made up some, like, different name for, like, certain of them, certain ones to compete. So they were able to compete in the Olympics. And I, I don't know, man. They're always making some sort of, like, excuse or exception for these Russian athletes, man. I don't understand. I thought it was ridiculous, and I thought that was a good. I, and, and I agree with you, Dan. And that's a, and 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 that's true, Jeff. I mean, it was a a failure on on multiple adult organizations for a, for a for a fifteen year old. And and I'm going to leave it at that. But I can tell you, there would I truly think there would be different different treatment for Simone Biles. And I'm I'm on the record for that, and I I feel that to be true. So, uh, Dan. Man, thank you so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come back again. Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a good time, and I'm definitely down to come back. You just say the word. All right, guys. You have a great week. Hey, we enjoyed having you. Take care. Thank you. Yes, sir.